Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in Jonesville, South Carolina. They offer hand car wash, vacuum, and clean interior. Coming soon, well, also right now, full details now available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Also, this episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Desserts. If you, need, if you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, this is the place for you. They have a wide variety of desserts, including cakes, ice cream, banana pudding, and my personal favorite, which is Oreo cheesecake. <laughs> They're open Tuesday to Saturday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. and are closed on Mondays. So stop by and visit Big Ben's Desserts on 297 Spartanburg Highway in Lyman, South Carolina, where nothing could be sweeter. So thank you guys for sponsoring this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Um, hope you Thank you for always being our sponsor this the reason we're here today, really, honestly. Um, okay. And one of the first sponsors also, the KB's Car Care, he's one of my best friends who kind of helped put everything together, like the microphones and oh, equipment okay. we were telling you about. Okay. So thank everybody for sponsoring this episode. And um, I didn't know the cameras were already rolling, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation we actually had beforehand. Um, so if you like that part, I know you'll definitely enjoy this conversation. But we have another special guest with us today. We're out here in Oakland, California. She's right. welcomed us to her home. She's been very helpful, um, very encouraging. Um, we have the owner of Mannequin Madness, Miss Judy Townsend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. This has been a great experience. We've been here for a couple of days. It took a little while to kind of get adjusted to the time because, you know, y'all, you guys are three hours behind us. So I kind of, the first night I actually ended up going to bed around 7.30 that night just because <laughs> the time just kind of. And the traveling is, is exhausting too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Especially when we tried, we landed in San Francisco and then we tried, Oof, to, we had to yeah. come over here. and we That were, ain't no joke. We were sitting in traffic for for quite a while. Barrier traffic is, is definitely something, yes. Yeah, it is. But but we love it. Like we were saying earlier, like my favorite thing really, I love the weather out here. Mm. The weather is way better. Well, I don't say way better, but you know, it's not as hot at home. Well, I hope you try some of the great cuisine that we have here. We have such a variety of cuisine from around the world mm-hmm. here, so whatever country you want to go to, it's represented here. Yeah, we had some great food the first day. We had this, a big plate of, uh, I think we went to this place called Trap Kitchen, and it had um, lobster tail or shrimp and uh, lemon pepper fries and macaroni oh, and cheese. Y'all living high off the hog here. Oh, no man. low country food for you right no, out here. No, no. <laughs> like, Kelly's like, man, we got to eat something different yeah, when we come exactly. out. Man, that was, that was that was that was some of the best macaroni and cheese I ever had in my yeah, life, too. And you know, down south, we're big on soap. Yeah, food. y'all know some mac and cheese. Yeah, right? but okay. that, oh, man, that was, and I don't really eat macaroni and cheese okay. like that. But it was yeah. some of the best. But um, but thank you so yeah. much for, for inviting us and welcoming us, embracing us here in Oakland, California. This has really been fun. Um, this is our part of our self-investment tour, so it's been quite a journey. We really enjoyed it, and thank you for having us. Love you guys. Yes, ma'am. So starting out, I know you were telling us earlier, um, you were actually born and raised in Tennessee? I was born in Tennessee, but my parents moved to Los Angeles when I was three and a half. My dad was trained as an electrical engineer, and at that time, a black man could not get a job as an engineer in the South. So he came out to California for the aerospace industry where he was able to get, able to get a job. And then I moved to the Bay Area in 1985. Okay, so what, how was it, you know, was it, how was it growing up in, in Los Angeles, coming down to Oakland? Was it still kind of like the same culture? Or was no, it a little bit different? Very different? You know, L.A. is L.A. You know, L.A. has that strong influence of the entertainment industry which tends to permeate the whole city, even if you're not in the industry. You're very aware of that. On one hand, it's really great because most people in L.A. are from someplace else. So that means you get a lot of diversity. You get people who are looking for new ways of doing things. You know, sometimes the traditions of the South can be sometimes kind of stifling. Mm-hmm. They can be good in some hand, but sometimes they're stifling. Everybody is kind of like new and adventuresome in Los Angeles. And as a kid growing up, that was very good to see. We didn't have some of the old legacies of slavery there. Obviously, discrimination always exists. But some of the other older kind of vestiges or things were gone. So you felt like it was kind of like a clean slate. And then, of course, the entertainment industry is usually a little bit more liberal mm-hmm. and outgoing. So that also creates a different kind of awareness when people are about a possibility can do versus this is the way we, we've always done it. Yep. So what, what kind of was some of the things that kind of grabbed your attention growing up? Well, 
given that I'm in mannequins, yeah. I always loved the, the window displays during the holiday season. Everything seemed to come alive as they were trying to, you know, sell you to buy stuff for Christmas. So I think there was something about the sparkly lights that always attracted me. I played with Barbie dolls as a kid. And back in the day when I had Barbie, Barbie only came in one flavor. I'm so glad now that Barbie is diverse with different right. sizes, different colors, different jobs. Before she was just supposed to look cute and attract Ken. But there was something about playing with dolls that it just kind of sparked something in me. And I think, you know, once again in L.A., it was just kind of like thinking about something different, you know. Even though I, I initially went on a fairly traditional career path, I saw a lot of people doing different things that made me realize, oh, okay. I didn't see many black people doing it unless they were in the entertainment industry. But it did kind of like let me start thinking about maybe there's a possibility to do something different and new. When you talk about the traditional career path, I saw, I think it was on blackbusiness.com, you said you had a degree in journalism from Southern Cal? And that's why I support you guys. The University of Southern California, I was a journalism major. And even though I never worked in the field of journalism, you have to learn to be a good, a good communicator and be persuasive about your dreams if you're trying to get money or financing. Mm -hmm. So my communication skills serve me in that way. Certainly social media is all about communicating. Absolutely. So I just want to say it wasn't necessarily wasted, but I didn't really work in journalism per se. Did you not want to have that kind of career in journalism at all? Or? Well, once again, when I came out, I'm older than all you guys probably listening here, it was right after the Watergate scandal happened and everybody wanted to be an investigative reporter. So the market was very flooded at the time. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted to come to Los Angeles or New York, the big cities. I didn't want to go to a small town to get started. Like you say, oh, go to Bakersfield to work your way up. I wasn't interested in doing that. So I said, well, how else could I use my skills? So I was in sales for Johnson & Johnson, the baby powder company. Mm -hmm. I was the first group of women that they hired for these positions. And we were account reps. So it was really, at that time, it felt really great to be working for a big Fortune 500 company. I had an expense account, a company car. I really learned how to be really an entrepreneur at that point because we worked independently. I worked out of my home before working from home became a thing. So you had to develop your own sense of discipline. They just wanted to make sure you brought in your sales results. However you did it, just bring it in. So I didn't realize at the time, but it was training me to be an entrepreneur even then. Mm -hmm. I, and I know it's, when, I, when I read a lot of books and I study a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of them say it's important somewhat to you know have some kind of some experience in sales. For you, would you say as an entrepreneur, of course you, you need to make money anyway, but uh, how important is that to have somewhat some kind of experience in sales? I think it's really, really important. Uh, first of all, you learn how to deal with different types of personalities. You learn that no doesn't always mean no. It just means no, not now. Mm -hmm. And you find different ways to keep coming back to get what you want. And as an entrepreneur, you have to, you know, have that not give up spirit. So if you hear a no, you can't go along and be defeated behind it. You mm -hmm. have to find, okay, well, what can I do differently? Or what do I need to change? Or who do I need to talk differently, differently to? Do I need to change my messaging? So all of those things helped in sales and having good training with the Fortune 500 company. Johnson & Johnson and Procter & Gamble are sort of like the Googles of their day, top-tier blue-chip companies to work for. A little traditional and conservative mm -hmm. nowadays, but, you know, they got the job done. That's why they're still around, too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they knew what they're doing. So I think it's great to have training with someone who has really good blueprint that they have that longevity. When you talk about those for, Fortune 500 companies, do you think a lot of times that we can tend, we tend to get caught up in, you know, you say people will say things like you work for a great company, you got benefits, like you said, you had a company car. Do you think we tend to get caught up in those type of things and that kind of makes us settle for those positions? Absolutely, absolutely. It took me the longest to want to leave because it was considered a good job, particularly back then, very few women and blacks particularly had those, those kind of jobs. And my parents grew up in that era where you get a job, you stay there until you retire. And I, I was miserable at the job, even though I was making good money, had good benefits. I was just miserable. You know, it's not always easy being a black person in corporate America in general, even if you're kind of independent. I wasn't like in the headquarters. But, you know, I just was much more creative than what I could do at that job. And I didn't understand why I was feeling miserable, even though I quote unquote had a good job. And that's where I feel like you have to go back to what your spirit tells you. Mm -hmm. You know, listen to your spirit. And sometimes it is hard to step out on faith. But I'm so much happier now. I can't right. imagine if I had continued to stay there. I see so many of my friends who stayed in traditional jobs, and they can't wait to retire because they're miserable. And I'm like, I feel like I'm still just be, I feel like a newbie. There's so many things right. still to learn and get excited about. So, yes, we can sometimes get trapped. Those golden handcuffs, as I call them, can be hard. Mm -hmm. And we, we have that, like I said, we're from the South, and it's, like we said, kind of like that mentality of you just get a good job and you stay there. It kind of stays. It's still around for us. I, I 
it's two things. I remember this lady um, I talked to. I've said it before. Um, you know, I tell her what we have going on. Tell her what I'm doing. It's like you know, eventually I, I'm thinking about leaving. And she, well, you know, it's gonna be hard to leave this job because you get got great pays. It's gonna be hard to find another job that pays you this good with, with these benefits. And I told her, really, for me, it's not even really about the money. It's just I just don't feel fulfilled doing it like that. And, and I'm thankful to have a job to be yeah, able to take care right. of my responsibilities. But at some point, you want to do what you love doing. Absolutely. And then probably about a month or two ago, I, talk, I had another conversation with her, and she was telling me about her daughter. And she was saying that her daughter, you know, she's going through, I think her daughter's maybe like 22, 23 years old. And she said she, she's been depressed and she's feeling down about things. She said she's not what she wants to be in life. And she said her daughter was telling her, hey, all I'm doing is just working to pay bills. Mm. And, and her mother told her, said, well, welcome to the real world. That's what it's all about. So and so when you hear those type of things, yes. and it's like I feel like that kind of stagnates. It's, it totally mm -hmm. is. It's really unfortunately crushing people's dreams, and particularly young people. Why not take the chance now? You'll have time to make some stuff up later on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than staying at some place that you hate just to pay. But that's not living, as far as I'm concerned. Nope. I'm not saying that being an entrepreneur is easy. There have definitely been some times I was, like, scared. And I always tell people to kind of wade into it. You know, maybe for a while, I've worked full-time, and I did this on the side. This was a side hustle. I wasn't ready to jump out there full-time. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of gradually got into it. Because you kind of like have to, it's like a muscle. You have to build up. And then as in time, you're able to take bigger and bigger risks. Some of the risks that I take now, I couldn't have done when I first got started. It would have been overwhelming. But over time, but I just think, bet on yourself is what I'm always going to tell people. Bet on yourself, whatever that means for you. And I had started a business before, so I was with Johnson Johnson for 10 years. Then I had a little stint of being unemployed, self-employed. It was a total disaster. Financially, it was a disaster. And I just beat up on myself so badly. And I realized so many people have taken chances but it doesn't work out you just learn from the experience mm -hmm. you don't beat yourself up and think i'm a horrible human being and i sh maybe i'm not meant to be an entrepreneur i really hung on to that negative attitude way too long then i went back to another corporate job united airlines because i got great flight benefits mm -hmm. great news i had to get a chance to travel but i was still miserable then i decided to go out and work for a dot-com company and at that dot-com i met all these younger younger white men mainly much younger than me, and they had started and stopped many businesses over time. They just saw it as part of the learning process, that you'd start a business, lose some money, you learn the lesson, and go someplace else. That really opened up my eyes. Now, granted, many times they have more of a parachute. You know, right. if they lose some money, many times they have parents that can loan them money or they can get money from a bank, whatever. But still, failure is failure. Mm -hmm. And they didn't see it as a failure. They just saw it as what you need to learn. And I thought... That's when it opened my eyes, like, wow, these guys are not any smarter than I am, but they had so much more confidence. Mm -hmm. I think confidence more than anything can make the difference with somebody. So I started doing things to help to build my confidence up. And I'm doing something I don't know anybody <laughs> who's doing this. And I'm not saying this because I'm so wonderful. I'm just saying that I didn't have any blueprint of someone who was doing this. But by surrounding myself with people who are also doing something creative and doing their own business, it gave me the the chance to go out and step on a face and do something. Absolutely. And this is, like I said, this is so unique because it's something that we see quite often, like all the time when you go shopping and malls and everything, different stores, you see these mannequins, but like, where we are, you never even think like, oh, this is really a business. Where they come from, exactly. Exactly. So many people think fashion is just about, okay, I'm either, I'm a designer or I'm a model. There's so many behind the scene things in the fashion world that have a lot more longevity. And that's why I say sometimes just look at different kind of opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we only see the few limited opportunities in front of it. I didn't know that there was a whole other business with this. And I said, I stumbled into it. So, mm -hmm. but once I stumbled into it, I kicked that Kept door now. <laughs> so what would you say from that, that first business that you had, what would you say was something that you learned from it that you took and carried on when you began, you know, tried it again at business? Well, I think a couple of things I learned is that I personally like having a product versus a service because sometimes services are too much based on whether the person likes you or not. When mm -hmm. I have a product, whether they like me or not, if they want my product, they will ignore the fact that I'm a black woman, I live in Oakland, whatever. Also, when I first came along, the internet wasn't available. The internet is so great now because it allows you to you know, meet people outside of your immediate environment from the comfort of your home. Mm -hmm. So I think technology is huge to have anybody in terms of building a business. I think what I also learned too was um, I expected to make money much sooner than I did. And so that caused me to not have enough cash flow to keep it going. I don't know, even if I had more money, I could have stayed then, but it really caused so much more stress. 
You know, you have to really anticipate you're going to need it a while before things make enough money to pay for your business and your living expenses, too. I didn't mm -hmm. have, like, a partner at the time who could help out. So I would say having more cash flow would have been helpful. Having a product is, is helpful. And, and multiple revenue streams. You know, so even with the mannequin business, I have multiple streams with the mannequin. So I sell mannequins. I sell new and used mannequins. So that's two different audiences right there. I also rent mannequins. That's a different audience. I rent out our warehouse for people who want to do photo shoots or fashion shoots. So that's the same way where I can have the same product but have different kind of components. Mm. So sometimes when something gets soft here, something else is going someplace else here. Now we start having workshops where people can take a mannequin head and they make a headdress that they can wear, a flower crown headdress when they go to a festival or something. That's another way of revenue stream. So I would just think whenever possible, I have multiple revenue streams. Doesn't mean you have to have five different businesses, but different streams within that current business. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the mannequin business, you say saying you kind of like backed into it. Talk about how you actually got into it and, and that, the process of it. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, I was working at this dot-com, and I was meeting all these people who were serial entrepreneurs. They had so much more confidence. So I decided to take a workshop because there are a lot of free or inexpensive business planning uh, organizations. So I took a 14-week planning class at a nonprofit, and they walked you through the steps of running a business. Because working for a corporate America doesn't teach you how to run a business, right? And mm -hmm. at the time, I had an idea, but during that time, when I went through the class, I realized, gosh, this idea that I have is not going to make me money. And I almost dropped out of the class. And I want to say this is an important point because if I had dropped out, I wouldn't have gotten the rest of the messages. Even though I realized my business wasn't going to make sense, I thought, let me still go ahead and learn just in case something else comes along. And the good news, it saved me from jumping out and doing a business that wasn't going to be successful. And at the time, I thought, maybe I'm not supposed to be an entrepreneur because all these ideas I have don't seem to want to be able to make money. About six months after I graduated from the class, I was surfing on Craigslist for some concert tickets, not even looking for mannequins. And I saw a mannequin for sale. And I always wanted a mannequin for an art project I was going to do at my house. I went to see the seller. Turns out he ran the only mannequin rental business in the Bay Area, and he was leaving the state and selling off of his inventory. He wasn't trying to sell the business, but sell his inventory. And something just resonated. It was one of those Oprah aha moments. It didn't make any kind of physical sense. I had never worked in a retail store. I had never touched a mannequin before. I had a business that had failed. So why would I think about buying these mannequins and going to be the man new mannequin rental place? So I bought all 50 of his mannequins. But I was still working full-time. I just want to say that. Still mm -hmm. working full-time. I said, I'm going to do the next mannequin rental place. And the good news is that he was really leaving town within a, in two weeks. If I had thought about it more, I probably would have talked myself out of it. But I just read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Love it. That, isn't that a good book? Love it. Well, one of the key lines mm -hmm. in that book, he says, some people either don't recognize a good opportunity when they see it, or if they see a good opportunity, they're too afraid to take a chance. Mm -hmm. That had been me, too afraid to take a chance. So having read that book, I said, here's a time where, you know, I was working at a dot-com, so I had the little extra money to spend. I said, if I don't take a chance now, when will I ever take a chance? That's what turned it all around. So a couple of things. Getting some education, when it destroys that. Not, not like a formal education, but I'm saying that 14-week business planning class. Sticking with it, doing all the homework assignments. And then when I saw an opportunity... I just took a chance, and I had supportive people. I mean, not a lot. A lot of people thought I was crazy, but all you need are one or two champions in your life who say, you know what, go for it. I think you can make that happen. And that was just enough of a little cheerleader for me to make it work. Mm -hmm. And when you took over, how was that the beginning phase of, uh, and w did you have the name of for, for Mannequin Madness already when you first started? No, I called it Mannequin Madness because I thought I was crazy for doing it. <laughs> 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 and most of my other friends thought I was crazy for doing it. I said, well, let me just go ahead and make something out of it. Mm -hmm. So this is another little interesting story. And once again, how being in sales helped me to realize you have, to have sometimes you have to come up with different solutions. So the guy who I bought the mannequins from promised to give me his client list. But he mm -hmm. said, I've got everything packed because I'm moving. I will send it to you when I get back to where he was moving to. I never heard from that guy again. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there I was having 50 mannequins at that time in my living room because I had no place to put them. And no client list, no experience, no nothing. This was not something I could just ignore. You know, if I had bought maybe, you know, 50 pieces of plates, you could put them in a drawer. 50 mannequins I couldn't ignore. So I went through a moment thinking, oh, my God, once again, am I crazy? Mannequin madness. So I said, let me see what I can do. 
I had just missed the deadline to be in the yellow pages. Do you guys remember the yellow pages? I know mm-hmm. that's old school. Long, okay, yeah. right, old school, Oof. but that was the internet of its day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, if you had missed the deadline to be in that, then it was going to be a year later before you could be in there. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Got these mannequins, I missed the deadline, da da da. This was pre internet days, okay? So I went to every department store in the Bay Area and talked to the visual merchandise department and introduced myself. I said, I'm the mannequin rental place. Because I knew that people would call Macy's or Norsons if they wanted to rent a mannequin. Those companies don't rent mannequins. So they were happy to send people to me. So even though I was still in my backyard, people would call and say, hey, Macy's told me that you can rent a, I can rent a mannequin from you. That's how it started. I just want to say it's so important to still sometimes have face-to-face communications because mm-hmm. of the internet and Zoom. And I know we're in COVID right now, so it's not as easy, but there's nothing like meeting somebody in person. Mm-hmm. Those people took a chance on me and they started sending customers to me. And a key turning point, I want to say key turning point, is that though the stores started calling me when they had mannequins to get rid of. I didn't know the stores would just throw mannequins in the trash when they were remodeling or up- upgrading or closing. So I heard that Sears was getting rid of mannequins out of all of their stores. And one person who I made contact to called me when that happened. At the time, my, my ex-husband, we were working together in a business, we drove to every Sears in the Bay Area in a cargo van and picked up every mannequin that they had. So I started from 50 mannequins from the seller to 500 mannequins. Wow. In a six, 500 seems to be my number, huh? In a six-month period mm-hmm. of time. I didn't know there were so many different kinds of mannequins because I was still new in it, right? Mm-hmm. There are mannequins <clears throat> for kids, mannequins for maternity, mannequins with swimsuits, so many mannequins. So then I could switch and not just rent mannequins, but I can now start selling sure. mannequins. And right around that time was the rise of the internet. And I was one of the first people in my industry to have a website. And that started bringing traffic that, you know, I thought I was just gonna sell to local people, you know, but then I started putting my website up and people started reaching out to me from out of state, wanting to buy a mask. I wasn't even prepared to ship at that particular point, but just putting myself out there created some new opportunities. Mm. So you like you said, you went from that fifty mannequins to the five hundred, and people were reaching out all over the world. And you, at the same time, were you still working full time? I was gonna say I was still working full time. Then I negotiated at my job to be able to work part time, so that I could still keep some of my benefits, and then still work at the mannequin business. But here's the key. Another, I just keep on saying key turning point, but there's key turning point. <laughs> is that about nine months after I bought the mannequins and was working at it full time, and I mean part time, nine eleven happened. Y'all remember 9-11? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was that, in fourth grade. Okay. Yep. That was a scary time, wasn't it? So my full-time job ended. Everybody got laid off. And I remember thinking then, if we're on our last days in time, I want to start living. What do I want to do? I want to make this mannequin business happen. I don't want to go work for another job. And, you know, I'm sorry that it took something like 9-11 to happen, but it jolted me about how quickly things can change. Mm-hmm. And if, like I said, I want to be living more joyfully. And that job was not even, it was paying good benefits and it was better than the Fortune 500 jobs, but it still was not something that I really was passionate about. So 9-11 caused me, because I lost my job, so it forced me. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we need some things to force us. Yeah. I don't know if I would have just left the job on my own, but it forced me. Just like I was still working out of my home way longer than I needed to. And then the city of Oakland cited me because I had too much inventory on the premises. We got a bunch of mannequins from Nike, and they were, like, spilling down the driveway in these huge, big old coffin boxes. And somebody, I guess, either reported me or something, and they said, you can't run that kind of business out of here. Even though I had a business license, you can't keep that much inventory. So it forced me to move. And so then I moved into first a smaller warehouse and now this warehouse. So, you know, sometimes we need those jolts. And I just like to say sometimes when those jolts happen, see them as opportunities, not like, what was me? I mean, I did have a what was me moment. Like, ah, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, it turned out to be beautiful. Absolutely. When you, when you talk about realizing the opportunity, um, for people watching this, is this a thing? How, how can you tell, like, okay, this is the right opportunity? Is it something you just have to have a feel for? Or is it just, like, how would you explain, like? It's a feeling. It is a feeling. You know certain things that just feel right to you, even though it doesn't seem to make any sense. Why would mannequins feel right to me? I don't know. And I don't think. It may not work for somebody else, but I like man. Even now, I love it when I get new mannequins coming in, when I go to the back rooms of stores and they're showing me mannequins to get rid of. I get a charge out of that. I think we all have something that interests us, that's unique mm-hmm. to us. 
And many times we just don't get enough encouragement. I really recommend the book, The Artist Way. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. The it is done way. like a 12-step process. It's a 12-week book. And in there, you do a combination of journaling every morning with the specific exercises. And they also tell you to do an artist date every week. An artist date is something that you've always maybe wanted to do, but you put off. Whether you wanted to always take a dance class or a painting class. And I'm saying this because it helps you live a more creative life and it puts you more in touch with those things that bring you joy. My first artist date was I took a samba dance class. I've always, I knew I was never going to be a dancer, but I wanted to do samba no. dancing. Next thing you know, I went from taking dancing with them to being in a parade that we had here in the Bay Area. The following year, I was in parade in Rio de Janeiro dancing in Carnival. It started from that one seed. I'm saying sometimes we have these big, big dreams, but you got to take some little steps to get along the way. And anything that helps to fertilize that, I guess is what I'm trying to say, the artist's way helped to fertilize that. So it made me just start seeing life in a more creative way, which I believe led to the mannequins. I had done the artist's way before the mannequins came along. Mm -hmm. But sort of like it's sort of like tilling the soil, right? You know, if you've been given nothing but negativity, you've got to pull some of that stuff out. Mm -hmm. And most of us, particularly people of color, we're not often encouraged to look at artistic endeavors. We are told to go the safe, secure route, which has its value. And not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur, but I think there are more people who would be entrepreneurial if given a chance to do it. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people now, we, we say it all the time, we see people now that are Starting, of course, with the pandemic, with people getting laid off, they it kind of forced people to kind of be more creative anyway. But now we see people, um, our age and our generation, you know, being more creative. I just seen one young lady, um, I can't remember her name, uh, but she she actually just opened up her own storefront where she's selling clothes, children's clothing and everything now. But I just feel like you said we need to kind of like encourage it more. But it, it is tough. It's like it's it's not hard. It's not easy. But it's just one of those things you just have to keep on chipping away at it. And like and from when we first started this. Um, I always say it was supposed to be a podcast with me and my friends, and I did sports broadcasting in college. So I got a chance to, you know, cover some professional athletes in high school sports, and um, I, I couldn't get a job. Uh -huh. So it kind of forced me to create my own opportunity, okay. and it just – because I, I was down on myself for a while. I was like, man, I was, I've been in front of some of the best athletes in the world, and I still can't get a job. And uh -huh. it kind of made me feel like I wasn't even good enough to, uh -huh. you know, do that. But – it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me to step out of my comfort zone and you know create my own opportunity. Because um, had I been able to get at one of, get to one of these uh, big companies like a ESPN or Fox, maybe I would have got a nice check and, and settled. But but you know kind of like being creative and you know creating your own opportunities is like one of the best feelings in the world. Because, Isn't it? Yes. Because and and it makes you want to work harder when it's your own thing, mm -hmm. right? Think about Oprah. She had always wanted to be Barbara Walters, right? Mm -hmm. Or she wanted to have a stint on the Today Show as a host. They told her no. She ended up creating something completely huge. better and huge than if she had mm -hmm. gotten that job at, the, say, the Today Show. So we have to do it. You know, that doesn't mean to go for your dreams, but sometimes if you keep being given some sort of no or detour, get back in your spirit. They go, okay, well, what can I do? Versus getting down on yourself and saying, I'm not meant to do this. Mm -hmm. See what else I can create in there. Oprah going to Chicago changed the whole destiny, not just of her, but how many lives have been impacted because she chose a new vision mm -hmm. after being told for something else. So who's to say that your podcast, especially the kind of stories you want to do, is going to create something completely different than if you were just another sportscaster. Right, you know? exactly. You probably universe, whatever you call it, God, spirit, whatever, has a bigger vision. But sometimes we just have to trust and take action on that. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things, because it made me realize, man, it's like life is, you know, I'm, I love I love sports, especially football and basketball, but it made me realize doing this, um, I would walk in and, and ask different entrepreneurs to kind of, you know, share their stories. And then in some segment of the podcast, we talk a little bit about sports, but then just picking their brains and asking them questions, I became fascinated with entrepreneurship, and it made me realize, you know, Life is bigger than just sports anyway. So, man, it, it's just one of those things where I just, just kept on going and just hearing these stories. And like I said, when I first started, the only thing I had was a laptop. I remember um, my dad had a, his shed in the, in the backyard. I remember taking that laptop, and I just remember sitting there and recording my own segment, just oh, just talking to myself. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and, this, and I still have it up today, so if people want to go back all the way back, this was maybe about – Six, maybe six, seven years ago, the very first thing I and ever look recorded. At you now, out here in the cross country. Across the country, yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I don't like the way I sound. But I kept on going. I remember sitting in my dad's shed in the back. I remember going back to my college where I graduated, USC Upstate. I remember recording 
an episode there. Um, my friend, me and him recorded a segment at his girl was his wife now at their apartment. But I would just take that laptop and I would just keep on going and, and going and going. You know the story about Tabitha Brown? Because then she from your neck of the woods and she's from one of those, those Carolinas. I, I know who you're talking about. She's the queen of the vegan, vegan stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So she, initially she wanted to be a TV actress. Kept on saying, no, 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 you have to be slimmer. slimmer. You have to straighten your hair. You need to lose weight. And when she went out, once again, it was kind of like by accident. Now she's created her own mega empire. Everyone knows Tabitha Brown, well, not everybody, but a lot more people know her than if she was just an actress on a TV show. Now she's got, she even got me wanting to be a vegan. I'm not even interested in vegan. I already pre-ordered her cookbook, okay? <laughs> what, listen to her stuff. She's so inspirational. You know, she keeps her southern accent. Don't let anybody tell you to change your accent or something. You know, you've got to be your authentic self. Mm -hmm. That's what we love about her. Natural hair, talking with the southern accent. Love her. Love her. So you may be, and there's a lot of parables between sports and entrepreneurship. And maybe your previous experience in sports will help bring some of that stuff out. Like, everybody can't be the quarterback when you That's run a true. business, right? You start learning the importance of having these different people in their different kind of roles. You realize that you don't win every game. So I'm not, I'm not a big sports person. I don't know a lot of sports things, but I know when people have made certain analogies, like, oh, yeah, you know, there is a lot of, you know, analogies about how sports and entrepreneurship mm -hmm. work together. And we, I, we had a guy, gentleman on, uh, was last month back in, in Atlanta, and I asked him one of the things. He, he smooth and groove, um, Mr. Keon Davis. I asked him, what's one of the things that, you know, sports taught you? And, and there are a lot of the um, athletes that turn entrepreneurs say discipline, you know, just that hard mm -hmm. work. And they, it is still, that instilled, sports instilled that in them. So when it's time to get up and do something, even when you don't feel like doing it, you're going to get up and, and get it done. Kobe Bryant taught us that, didn't he? For mm -hmm. sure. Talk about the Mama King, right? Absolutely. My just, favorite player. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then even Naomi Osaka watched the video, I mean, the Netflix thing on her, and she was saying, you know, Tennis is very solitary. At least with sport, with basketball, you got a team, right? Mm -hmm. With with tennis, it's just her you. getting up and hitting that ball all the time, every day, practicing, practicing, practicing. You're right. So the certain system, you got to really love something. That's when you said, "How will you know?" When you love it, you realize that you can do this. Even those days when you don't really feel like it, there's something that drives you because you like it so much. Mm -hmm. I still like mannequins after doing this for 20 years. Doesn't mean I don't get some days that are bad or days I'm like, "Oh, I need a vacation," but it still excites me. Mm -hmm. I wanted you to talk a little bit about, like, you know, saying sometimes everybody doesn't always support you. How how important is that to have people in your corner that support you? And where were you looking to get your support, like, your support from? Well, I mean, we always love to have a cheerleading squad. I mean, that's just human nature. Mm -hmm. and, and that's maybe what things you learn from sports, right, is sometimes there are going to be people who are booing at you, and right. you still keep going, right? Mm -hmm. You just got to, like, listen to that inner voice. And there's always, you know, I just see seek people out. Sometimes it's a matter about being around other entrepreneurs. When I went to, because they're not other people who do mannequins, but I went to other entrepreneur group and realized that we sometimes have some of the same struggles, even though it may be a different product. Everyone maybe has some struggles with cash flow, with employees, with regulations and things like that. So you you don't have to be so isolated, be around other people. You know, my parents were probably the biggest objectors to what I was doing because they did not understand it. They had spent their own hard-earned money to get me through USC, so the idea that I was throwing what they thought, throwing it away to doing this mannequin business, they were not happy. And we went for about a six-month period of time and we didn't speak. Mm. So it was painful. I'm not saying it was always easy. I did have a few people who were champions, but you always want your parents to be proud. Right. Now my mom brags about me. I have to sometimes say, Mom, please tone <laughs> it down. They don't want to see my picture on this magazine that she's carrying around. So, you know, people do come around eventually, but it was hard. But I have a very strong spiritual faith. I, um, I'm a Buddhist, and I chant it every morning, and something just kind of just kept kept me going even though I've, many times I was hearing other people saying no or some of my friends would say, okay, Judy, good for you. you, had, you they had that look on their face mm -hmm. where they were like, I don't quite get it, but they would say, you know, if anyone can make something happen, you can. So that mm -hmm. helped a lot. So, you know, like I said, we don't always get the champions, but try to avoid the naysayers. Mm -hmm. You know, you might just say, thank you for your opinion, and then you go someplace else where you can get support, whether it's reading a book, you can watch all great stories on the mm -hmm. internet, or finding just somebody else that you can just be, you know, they, they understand. One time I called a friend, I said, I feel like such a loser, is what I told her. And she just allowed me just to kind of get it out. Sometimes you need to just get it out. Mm -hmm. She said, okay, you are a loser, aren't you? 
<laughs> just made me laugh. You know, that point, like, I realized how yeah. crazy that was that I was saying that. But I needed to just get it out. But I knew she was like a, a shoulder that I could cry on who wasn't going to judge me or really put me down or say, Steve, go back and get a job. She just let me kind of vent for a little bit. And then I got back up and kept on stepping. What would you say was the biggest adjustment that you kind of had to make as far as, like, being becoming an entrepreneur? Well, not having a steady paycheck. And then once I hired people, making sure I had money to give them a steady mm-hmm. paycheck. You know, because I liked just kind of being independent and there's that African proverb if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far you need more people for you and Mm. so that's an adjustment uh, especially before in sales I'd always been independent I never had been a manager or anything where I had to work with people so doing that was an adjustment for me if it was just working with mannequins that wasn't a problem I could resource what I needed on my own but when I had to start cooperating with other people that was more of a challenge mm-hmm. but you know what now when I look back now I made it a much bigger problem than it was mm-hmm. you know times you know you got to build up strength it's sort of like if you're lifting weights right the first time you lift weights it's like oh my god how am I ever going to lift this weight then you know you do a little few little reps a little next thing you know it's like oh my god this is nothing let me get to the next level mm-hmm. what would you say is the for people watching this um what would you say is the most important thing they need to know before becoming an entrepreneur like some people may be mm-hmm. on the fence about it but what would you say is the most important thing? I don't think there's any one thing, baby, and mm-hmm. not just one. There are a variety of things. Okay. I think the main thing, I, I personally get encouragement listening to other people's stories and biographies. That's why I'm loving that you're doing this because it's so easy when times, sometimes people see me in a magazine or they see a billboard, they think you got it easy. And it's so great when you can share the backstory and say, hey, it ain't always like this. It's not, you know, it's not Instagram life. People always want to show their best life on mm-hmm. Instagram. It's like, no, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. But I think the main thing is, as I said earlier, just, you know, love what you're doing. Find multiple revenue streams. Knowing that every day is not going to be sunny, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure at it. And if you like it, you always find different ways to be creative. You know, the last year was hard for almost everybody I, I knew. You know, some people had a business that was thriving. You know, I guess if you were selling hand sanitizers, yeah. it was great. And that's another thing to remember. Like, you know, people people, people have different kind of um, seasons, right? Who would have thought that hand sanitizer would be such a selling mask would be a good thing? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it just ain't your season. That doesn't mean give up. Not unlike your things with athletes, right? Sometimes they ain't having a winning season. Mm-hmm. But they keep going back to the game. Next thing you know, they're the champions. Mm-hmm. So keeping at it. Yeah. Who, who would you say were your mentors, if you had any, that kind of, you know, really helped guide you in into building your business? Well, I read a lot of books. Unfortunately, there are not enough books about black entrepreneurs. I mean, outside right. of Madam C.J. Walker, I can't think of any other female entrepreneur that didn't start in entertainment, you know, like an Oprah Winfrey or something like mm-hmm. that. So, unfortunately, I had to read more books by white males who tend to own everything. But yeah. that was just really good to be able to just, even they had their struggles, different mm-hmm. kind of struggles from us. Because, once again, many times they have generational wealth. They may have a next-door neighbor who has access to something or just access to information. When I look at some women who started at the same time that I am and they got all this venture capital money, I'm thinking, damn, that would not have been available to me. You know, it just wouldn't be. And, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people. You know, because that just does nothing for you. But you have to just be the best that you can be and, and not realize, okay, they had access to this, so I'm not going to do it. No, that's just mm-hmm. life ain't fair. Right. But I find listening to other people's stories, I realize everybody went through some time that was a challenge for them. Even if they got $10 million in venture capitalists, like, what's his face? Steve Jobs, you know, for a while his business went under, right? When he mm-hmm. had that other app, I mean, the next, what is it, next he had some sort of computer, and then he got kicked out of his own company and then came back. So I'm saying reading stories like that mm-hmm. is what really helped me. I realized, well, even with someone on their level and they got kicked around, it's not going to be easy for me as a black mm-hmm. older woman. I always want to say older woman because I want to be proud of my age and let people know that it's never too late. I think sometimes we think, oh, if I haven't done so-and-so by 30 or 40 or whatever, it's too late. I want to say, no, get rid of that. But reading stories by other yeah. other successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, I love the fact that you like talk about reading books. I remember two two books I read recently. Um, like we're saying, the, the Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, um, Made in America by Sam Walton. And, um, and you see these, uh, re- just reading these stories of how they built Walmart and how they built Nike. Richard they, Branson, he's another mm-hmm. one of mine because he's so out there. And just started from nothing. And, right. And, and a lot of times, what they did have, they were fortunate, you know, they were able to, you know, borrow money from family members, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they didn't guarantee that their business was going to be Absolutely. successful. Absolutely. And they kept, you know, it was times where they both went in the hole and, you know, 
they went through a lot of different things and Sam Walton got the uh he lost one of his leases for his building. He had forced him to go to another town. Just yep. so many different yes, things. It's exactly. like you, he he didn't know the, he didn't know about his contract and different things like that. But it's just like when you hear these stories of how these gen, these men built these businesses, it's just to me it's fascinating me because too. it's me like too. you never know. You're like like my, my one of my mentors, like I tell you, Ben Hall was telling me like sometimes when you see these big buildings like a like a Chick Fil A or established business like Nike or Walmart, you think it's impossible that it's something that you can't do. But you have to realize that they they, they started, started from, somewhere. They started exactly. somewhere, exactly. and and they built it to to right. the point to where they got it to. So I would definitely tell people absolutely read books because that's what sparked my mind, changed my mind. Like Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book mm-hmm. that I'm changed. So glad you read that. Yes. They changed everything yes. for me. I had a, I had a guy tell me um, about that book um, when I when I I wrecked my told him my first car, and then he told me when I went to get my second car. He's like when he said you need to read this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he said whatever you do, don't settle. Didn't know why he was telling me that. Wow, that was an angel. Mm-hmm. And when I read that book, I was I had already graduated from college, but when I read it, I was like, man, it was like it's kind of like the process of like reprogramming my mind. Absolutely. It was like everything just changed. I started looking at things differently. So when people would tell me certain things like you got a job, great job with benefits, just stay there Ugh. and work till you retire. Ugh. You keep hearing that yeah. over and over, <laughs> and it's like, why are people telling me this? Yeah, that's all they know. All they okay. know. That's all you can say. That's all they know. So they mean well, but when you know, as the note says, when you know better, you do do better, mm-hmm. right? You've known some other stuff, having talked to other people, read some books, when you could make some different choices. So don't make choices based on what someone who hasn't had any other experience or anything is telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Go with those other choices where people are living the kind of life that you want to have. Mm-hmm. Listen to advice that they have. Yep, and that's all, that's all I see, man. It's like, man, I... I, I don't, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm happy for them, but it's like for me, I was like, man, I don't want to just feel like I'm just working just to and just that's it, just picking up a paycheck and not. Especially at your age, you're way too young for that. Yeah, because you were saddled with you know a lot of other responsibilities. You know, had kids or this and that. But mm-hmm. now's the time to take the chance. I really think anyone should take the chance at any point. But there are certain times where you have more flexibility than others, mm-hmm. and this is one of those times. That's why I say a lot of seniors are starting to do things because you know they've already worked at a job, and now our life expectancies are long. Where this is the time to take a chance on something. Mm-hmm. So, and understanding that um, it's, it's never going to be a perfect time either. Yeah. I, I read a book. It was a great book I read um, about a year or two ago by Marie Forleo. It's called, oh yeah, you know her too. Yeah. B school. Okay, mm-hmm. it's called. Y'all read all the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the. The main thing that she said was like, just start before you're ready, and mm. to me that was like, you yeah. know, that's that's true because it's never gonna be a perfect right. time. It's like you you never know. And I, I had a young lady reach out to me a couple of days ago. She's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Like, what do I need to do and stuff like that. And I the, the main thing I wanted her to take away from was I was like, just get started. Right. I was like, because procrastination kills everything. It does. It does. And if you don't just go ahead and get right. started, it's like don't worry about having like everything in order and <clears throat> just trying to work make money right off the bat because you need to get started because it's so important because as you go you're going to figure out different things to do different like hey i might not like this segment let me take this and right. this out but the main thing is just get started because if you don't and you just think everything is just going to run smooth like i said when i first started i didn't like the way i sounded on when i went back and listened to it and those different things and like we would do i post i made a post the other day where one of the first interviews i shot i shot it in the library in Spumberg. I didn't have everything I needed, but I just had to get started because mm-hmm. if I didn't, you know, I was just going to just keep putting it off, kicking that can down the road. But it just got to a point for me where I was like, you know what, um, I, I just can't keep living like this. Well, even Oprah, she goes back and looks at some of her earlier episodes, and she laughs at the way either she sound or she looked or the type of show she had. She wouldn't do some of those things. I think sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to learn. And unfortunately, because sometimes we're so desperate to make money right off the bat, mm-hmm. we think it has to be perfect. And then when it doesn't go perfect, then we stop. Instead, we have to realize this is a process. This is a flow. Just for example, I have revised my website I don't know how many times. I thought a website was just going to be a stagnant thing. Once it's done, it's done. No. There's always new tools, new features, new whatever that comes along. And so you just have to realize, just like with learning your business, there's always going to be something new coming along. You're never going to learn it all. So Mm -hmm. just jump in there and do the best you can at that point. And then, you know, two years later, whatever, you'll be doing more. It's kind of like... This learning curve, you know, they're going little valleys and then you speak up, little valley and then stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes. You have to be comfortable with that. But and that's hard if you're not used to that. If you work for a regular job where the same it's the same day, same thing every day, it is a little bit different when all of a sudden you're on a roller coaster. 
Mm-hmm. So there's an adjustment there. I think the hardest thing, if someone has little kids, that may be kind of hard to start mm-hmm. a business. I will say that. But other than that, I can't think of any other time why wait, especially if you're just going to do it on the side at first. Absolutely. Well, you have the type, we were talking about a little bit earlier about, you know, saying things that kind of like, you know, sometimes you need to get away from home. And I see a lot of times now where people feel like they, they have to get away from home to, you know, be successful. But we feel like it's also some benefits to staying home because sometimes people know you, but at the same time, like, how, how, how do you no, feel about no. staying home as opposed to, you know, getting away from home? I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. That's where my parents live. I don't think I could have done this if I was still in Los Angeles. The influence of my parents would have been too heavy for me personally. I did not have the wherewithal to be able to say no. It was hard enough when I was up here and saying no. If I had them kind of more frequently in my life, asking questions, coming by, looking at stuff, it would have been harder for me. So I thought that's a personal choice for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just find wherever you're going to get the most support is the best place. If you think you're going to get a lot of support close to home, do that. But if you think it needs to be someplace else where you can get new energy, new thoughts, I'm in favor of that. But I realize that's, that's not for everybody, so I don't want to be an absolutist on mm-hmm. that one. But I think for you two guys, I think y'all need to go someplace else because your spirits just feel so much bigger mm-hmm. than from what I'm experiencing, what you're experiencing back at home. I just, I just don't like just doing the norm all the time, you know. And like a lot of times people look at it like, man, you're doing something crazy and different things like that. But I, I just don't like the norm. And I'm not knocking it, like you said, it's – Lifestyle everything for everybody's for different, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to go what supports your lifestyle versus trying to change because the people around you say, oh, that's that's not what we do here. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to where people do what you like to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's I, one town over or one state over or across country. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I just, I wanted to do something different and, and, you know, just like what we are is like people are kind of, you know, sometimes stuck in the norm of like, this is how we always do things. This is how we do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. And like, when I was telling you earlier, First time I ever got on a plane was last year. I was 28 years old. Uh-huh. The very first time I got on a plane. But it just opened my eyes to just see how different the world is, yeah, you know. Exactly. And I, I don't watch a lot of the news because there's so much negativity and it'll uh-huh. drive you crazy. But, man, when we got on that plane for the first time, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm really doing this. For the first, I was scared because at first, for the longest, I said I would never get on a plane because I was like, man, you know, it only goes up and it comes down. <laughs> But when I got on the plane, it really wasn't that bad. But cars have accidents, too. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, I was like, you know what? If you're in an accident, you've got a a, a chance of making But if a plane crash, it's, it's like all it's, it's all over. At least it'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> but your time, it's your time. Mm-hmm. Regardless of that. You could be walking across the street and somebody hits you. That's true. You know? So there have been people who have survived some plane crashes. Not many, mm-hmm. but there have people who have survived some plane crashes. But you just can't have that kind of thought about it you know mm-hmm. you, you know what you believe is what you will see right mm-hmm. so you have to just start believing some positive yep. thoughts and then create that and i just didn't want to you don't want to feel like you want to look back on things like man i wish i would have did this when i was your age i remember when i was working at a radio station the guy Ken Blankenship, he was asking me how old are you i was like i'm 24 years old he said man i'd do anything to be back that mm-hmm. age again and it's kind of like he i don't want to say he uh, had regrets or anything Probably but, he, I he just, did. but you know it's just like, man, he is almost like when people tell you these things, I always pay attention. I feel like it's just a sign when people say those type of things to me. It's like, you know, don't take don't take life for granted. You know, yes. take a chance while you can. Yeah, because it happened so fast. I can't believe I'm 64. I was mm-hmm. like, where did this happen all of a sudden? So, yes, take this chance while you can. And if you were hearing that from older people mm-hmm. who said, oh, I wish I had, you know, most people have more regrets than, uh, what's the other term? Those are the thing. People tend to regret more than than feel about certain mistakes they made as well. Like, I wish I had done da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. You know, I think traveling, I think, is, is good for everybody because you can see another way. Even if you go back to where you lived, you will be transformed by the experience of seeing how other people live. You can see there's more than one way to do certain things. Even the way people, their their lifestyle. When I've traveled internationally, it's like, wow, not everybody has to live in a traditional kind of looking house mm-hmm. or whatever, stuff like that. So, yeah, travel is, is good. Books are a way to travel without... Mm-hmm. having to leave and the fact to just take a chance on you I think your spirit is saying I want something more absolutely and go for that how did you 
overcome like any fears or what do you do to kind of like over, if you have moments of fear or doubt like what do you do to kind of like overcome those moments let's say i'm a buddhist so i chant and i have a very strong spiritual community around me to mm -hmm. talk to to talk to because you know there's no point in pretending like things are going to be great all the time i always say have at least a few people in your life that you can go and really be truly authentic with this is what's happening and then i'm in a mastermind or not really a group but i have another friend who's a fellow entrepreneur and we talk twice a week for an hour and a half and just go over different things, whatever is happening for us. Maybe we want to brainstorm an idea. Maybe we want to vent about a difficult customer. And so just to be able to have another sounding board, I guess is what I was going to say. Another sounding board is really kind of helpful. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know how people make it without some sort of spiritual grounding. Whatever, Absolutely. if it's hug a tree, if it's hang upside down, if it's doing yoga, life is stressful enough even without trying to be an entrepreneur. So I think the first thing is to have something to ground you for the day. And even that was something new for me because, you know, like many African Americans, we are kind of groomed in a certain kind of religious tradition. And I'm just saying if that religious tradition is not working for you, don't abandon religion altogether, but find something that works for you. That's why some people running is like a spiritual high for them, right? Mm -hmm. Allows them to clear their head, that allows them to just kind of see a different perspective, to be in close with nature. That is a way of bringing spirit to your life sitting outside and being quiet. So I think something like that would be helpful. Mm. What would you say was the best advice that you've received on your journey? Ooh, there's no one best you want to do. There's, there's lots well, some of things, advice that you've received. There's lots of things along the way. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, certain things I may have heard at one point didn't resonate with me, but, but later on mm -hmm. it really made sense. So that's why I'm sometimes kind of hesitant to give people advice. I like to just kind of like share my story mm -hmm. because the advice is going to change. Like I said, when I first started, there was no internet. So I can't talk to somebody about that now who that's all they've known is the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess the best thing is like change is change. Stay with being able to be open to change. I and mean, we certainly saw 2020 was nothing but change, right? It seemed like every two months there was some new change we were having all to do, the time. With, you know? Mm -hmm. And the people who were able to survive it the best in terms of, you know, feeling okay, we're able to adapt to the change. If it's like, if I gotta wear a mask, then I'm wearing a mask. I have probably more masks than I have bras right now, okay? <laughs> if I'm gonna wear a mask, let me make it fun and color coordinated and have different things. So that was a way for me to adapt to the change and make it fun, mm -hmm. as opposed to like, damn, I gotta wear this mask, this is hot, da 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 da. It's like, let me make it fun. So I think the more you can be resilient, that doesn't mean still not taking a moment to say, shit, this shit is hard. I'm tired, right. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm still allow you to have your feelings. But then when you get that out, if you're too rigid and like it has to be this way, that's not gonna work no matter what's happening. Absolutely. Speaking of the mannequin business, when you're talking about yeah, change, talk about adapting adapting <laughs> to change, of like the way the retail businesses are like moving more towards e commerce, everything is online. How how are you adapting to that change? Because like you said, a lot of stores, especially where we are, a lot of them are moving out. Um, a lot of the clothing stores, everything you just have to buy things online. Like how how do you see the mannequin? Good business? question. Exactly. Well, a couple of things. Number one is that that means that I'm selling mannequins to different types of people now. Before I might sell to a store who maybe buying 10 mannequins, now I may be selling to 10 individual people buying one mannequin because they still maybe have to showcase things online, so they're having to take photos of their mannequins. So from that standpoint, I still get the business, but it's a different kind of way. But what I found, ironically, last year, there was a big uptick in people doing DIY arts and craft projects. Mm. So I went to doing Zoom classes or YouTube videos showing people creative things they can do with mannequins. They can turn them into lamps. They can turn them into furniture. They can make dress warm Christmas trees. So I had to adapt to, people still are fascinated with the human form, put it that way, mm -hmm. but it may not be in the traditional way of selling clothes, but they're now in the form of art or DIY projects. I don't make as much money with those things, but it's still allowing me to stay in the game. But I also find that people still want to go and shop. Now, you may not right. find as many stores, but it's, people still want to go and look and feel and touch. I think the two things are going to coexist. You're still going to have retail stores, and you're still going to have people shopping online. Just like when movie theaters are still out, even though you still may watch a DVD or, or stream something on your device. Sometimes you want to go to the movie theater and see the latest movie on the big screen and have your popcorn and stuff like that. doesn't mean that one has to disappear, but it will have to adapt. Movie theaters now have to be more entertainment centers. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's pre-pandemic. But now they're, you know, they have cocktails or you can go and have a full meal there. 
that's a way that they can pull people out versus staying at home and watch. So I'm saying the same thing with mannequins. It's like, yes, I'm going to find different kind of reasons why people use mannequins. People use a lot of mannequins for Halloween displays because people mm -hmm. now want to have more fantasy in their lives. People do more co cosplay. I guess what it's like, people who like to dress up in costume, many mm -hmm. times they need a mannequin to be able to put their Star Wars costume on, where 20 years ago, that really wasn't that much of a possibility. People were only, only retail stores had mannequins. Now private individuals can have mannequins. So that's where I've adapted to that need. Just a few more questions. I was going to say, this is a nice long interview. I yes. feel like this is a series. Yes, man. <laughs> We, this, we, we, this we, is a week long. This is like love one of the roof series. You know, every night there's another little something. I thought it'd be like a little t ten minute spot. It's like, oh, wow. Oh no, man. Well, just, just a few more questions. <laughs> okay. And we'll get ready to wrap it up. We, we love to uh, have these conversations. Like I said, we, we, we have these conversations. We, we, we never try to time them. We love to, you know, okay. just build with the people. Well, I hope that people we... want to listen this long. Oh, absolutely, really? absolutely. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, that says something about the questions you're asking and the guests you pick. Because people have such short attention spans nowadays. And now that people really want to listen, says a lot about you. Yes, ma'am. And just pick, like I said, this is a unique business. We've never had anyone with a mannequin business that, that has come on and, you know, shared a story. So well, I'm I know the only people... black person in America doing this. That's, that's amazing. And I want to speak about it as well. Yeah, go ahead. And I want to speak about it as well. Like, how important is that? How important is it to you know kind of keep like entrepreneurship for our community, African American community? Because like we're, it's it's finally time that we're kind of getting in that space of, you know, of of ownership. Yes. Well, as we saw what happened to Tulsa, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Black, Black Wall, Wall Street, Street, as they call mm -hmm. it. You know. And many times, from what I've read in other history, is that they've often targeted black business owners to that, that they lynched or ran out of town because they know there's a certain kind of tenacity and resourcefulness for people who run their own business. You gotta have, you have to be a little fearless to run your own business. So they don't want those kind of people around. So they're happy with the people who are like, let's just stay put and do what we've always been doing entrepreneurs they wanted to run out of town so I think that's why it's so important that we encourage more entrepreneurship because it is the way of self-determination when we black owned businesses to keep more in their community because we tend to more unlikely employ black people and spend our, our money with other black businesses not a hundred percent I mean I buy from Amazon too mm -hmm. but you know the fact that where I'm located is a place where maybe many other white businesses would not come the people who I employ many times won't be employed by other businesses. So mm -hmm. there's so much that we do. Obviously, being an example of a role model is also something else. But I think the economic benefits, the self-determination benefits, and just a little bit of a little bit more control of your destiny. For example, I say if you're working in corporate America, you're like in a big cruise liner, right? You're on this big ship, but somebody else is driving. You don't know what's going on. You just trust and they, they know what's going on. And many times you're on the Titanic and don't realize it. When you're on your own little sailboat, you, it's small, but you're better control. Hey, I can make a quick turn if I need to. I'm the one leading the ship on this one. Yes, it may be a little bumpier because your boat isn't as steady, but you're more control and there's something powerful about being more in control of your destiny. Even if it's a little, little destiny or a little boat, it's still self-empowering that it's yours versus somebody else who could kick you off the boat anytime they want to. Absolutely. Like I said, it's something just fulfilling about knowing that you, you can look at it it's like, man, I had a vision or something. It wasn't easy, but it's something that I created and it's mine and I can pass it down for generations yeah, and keep exactly. it in the, in the family. There's a pride that I think comes along with that too and you can't put a, a price tag on, on, the, on the pride that you feel for something that you built for, from nothing. So I'm not saying every black person needs to be an entrepreneur right. because it's not for everybody. We need some people in corporate America. We need judges. We need all these different things. But we don't have enough, I don't think, business people. We're too much consumers versus what are we creating something for other people to buy. Absolutely. And we, still, of course, support each other more as well. I always support our own people. Like I said, we can go into these major corporations, major stores, and buy from them. Why not You know, support yeah. your own people and keep the dollar in our community as well? One thing I will say that I have a lot more patience with black businesses, because a lot of times people say, oh, you go to a black business, you don't get the same service or yeah, the products are inferior, this and that, whatever. I realize, too, that many times we have to give each other more grace because when we are more cash-strapped, 
you just can't do as much. Mm-hmm. We just don't have access to the to capital. And I think we've seen that in droves last year. And so sometimes we're doing the best we can with what we can, and you can't compare us with somebody else who you know, can get a big line of credit from the bank. So I just say, that's not to say bad service, but I'm saying sometimes you go someplace, they may not have everything all slick and fancy, not because they don't want to, they may not have the access that they need to. So just be a little grace with And be other. willing to also pay full price. Don't always yeah. ask for, oh, for yeah, discounts from our people. They want to come in and buy one thing and want to say, you going to give me a deal, stuff like that. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, happens, yeah. it happens in our yeah. community. Yeah. And we're not used to also seeing us providing luxury products. You know, mm-hmm. we'll go and buy Louis Vuitton, something like that. But if a black person has a high-end item that's also well-crafted, we somehow think it's lesser value or should not be as much. And that's just going to be a, a change in, in mindset. We're going to mm-hmm. have to change our mindset. You know what's crazy? Just thinking about it, I had somebody come in earlier. You know, I was telling about the food we ate um, yesterday uh, when we first got here the from uh, the Trap Kitchen. And I, I posted it, and I was telling man, if you, if you ever come out of Oakland, come out here and eat this is great food. And uh, I was like, it was just under $30. And it was a guy that don't even know the guy. Man, I, I got just under 4,000 friends on Facebook. And, and some guy come in, he's like, he looked at the picture, and he's like, that ain't even worth $30. Stuff like that. It's just like, how do you even know? You never, you never even tried it. You yes. never even, probably had never even been out here. Right. Why, why not something that you never even even tried? It was like, this is that mindset right, right. that our people Well, have. and you do spend more money when you go out. There's no doubt about it. He could probably could have, you know, made that meal for less at home. But that's mm-hmm. just it. You're doing your own labor in terms of you going to the store, you're doing the cooking, you're doing the cleanup, and you're sitting in your own living room. When you go to a restaurant, it's an experience. And sometimes that's part of what you're paying for, too. If it's a nice ambiance or something like that, for someone to come and wait on you. That's just not free for someone to come wait on you. So that's just part of the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. My, fi- my final three questions. If you could give your younger self advice, um, what would it be? No, don't be so afraid. I was way too fearful and way too shy. It's so amazing when I see myself now, and people can't believe that I was not outspoken when I was younger. So I want to say it is a process, and it is possible. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was way too tentative in the world when I was younger, and that's why I'm so passionate about telling young people like yourself, do it, take a chance, don't wait until it's so much harder because, you know, you're older. Do it while you can. Mm -hmm. So I would have lived abroad for a while, too, and learned another language. So Mm -hmm. important to be able to speak another language. Absolutely. Whatever that is. If, what would you if you had to lay out a blueprint for a business, um, any type of business of people who want to start something from the ground up, um, just your particular spin on it? Like, what would you say would be like your mm. blueprint for business? Shit, I wish I could have been like Steve Jobs. I mean, it's something about him I just admire. I mean, who does not have a smartphone now, right? Even my ninety-one-year-old parents have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think some people are just are just touched with a certain kind of, of magic. And rather than trying to say, I wish I could be like him, I think, okay, well, what can I do within my sphere of influence, right? So I've tried to do some creative things, and it's hard to explain on a podcast, but we have some creative things here. It's never going to be like an iPad all over the world, but, you know, I can just take what I see from there and how can I apply it in my lane. Sometimes you just got to, like, stay in your lane. Still have a big vision, but it's like I'm, I'm not a Steve Jobs. Absolutely. My final question this is the 2021 Cross the Line podcast, self-investment tour. So we've been asking everybody that's, that's come on and to share their story with us while we're on tours. What does self-investment mean to you? What does self-investment mean? It's kind of like what I said earlier, like believe in myself. And that means spending money on things that are going to help me improve myself, whether it's taking a class, whether it's taking a trip to also get away from work for a while, whether it's just seeing myself as worthy and deserving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I always say, you know, the, the self-investment is the best investment that you can yeah, possibly absolutely. make. Absolutely. Um, like I said, they can't take that away from you. Can't take it away from you. And, and like I said, had, had I not just take, taken a chance on myself, you know, I've, I've had people help me along the way. Like I, my mentor, Coach Cox, who kind of brought me into the broadcasting, um, he, he started it for me. And just taking his chance and, you know, learning the things that I learned from him. Oh, he's coming back. No, we, he got locked out. Oh, he got locked he out. We got a um, so we got a Miss Judy's getting up right now. We have a we have a surprise for her um, because she she embraced us and welcomed us with open arms. So we have a surprise for her. She's getting ready to come back. Yes, ma'am. Right. We had a great time, and um, we have a surprise for surprise. you. We want to thank uh-huh. you, oh, you for um, welcoming us. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, ma'am. These are 
of the most wonderful young men. Can I say I am so proud to know yes, you. You want to tell a little story how we met? Do we have time for that? Yes, ma'am. We we absolutely do. And we also and here's another gift right here. We have brought Miss Judy some flowers. And beautiful, also, not just flowers. Beautiful. This flowers, is my roses. very first book that I wrote. It came oh, out Lord. back in oh, March. My God. Yes, ma'am. Job. Yes, ma'am. Oh, we can't say what the rest of it says. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> look, look at you, author, published author. I'm going to have you inter- uh, uh, sign my Oh, book. we already signed oh, sorry, it. Sorry. I signed it this morning. Yes, Will ma'am. Can you tell a little bit how we met? Yes, ma'am. So basically what happened for me was I actually so went online. I'm always doing my research on businesses, um, all type, black-owned business, any business. Mm. But I but I saw Miss Judy online, I, and so I was like, man, this would be a great story. And, you know, it's amazing. I didn't even tell you. Like, I had before we started this tour, I had a vision board. And I just wrote down different places I wanted to go to. Didn't know when it was going to happen. I just wrote thing, everything down. And um, I was like, man, I, I had California on my board. And, you know, one thing happened, and I saw your story. And I reached out to you, and you, you reached out quickly and said, have you ever been to the Bay Area? I said, no, man, I never have. And, and you know, reached out to you, and you were, you were very loving, and you embraced us. And since then, we stayed in touch the whole time. And, and one thing led to another. Like I said, I had that vision board, and next thing you know, we ended up here in California. Well, Oakland, I, want, California. I want to add, I have an Airbnb, mm-hmm. and I told him if he wanted to come out here, I would let him stay at my Airbnb free that was a blessing. of yep. charge. He just had to pay for the cleaning mm-hmm. fee. So I just want to say this to other people, not to say that I'm so wonderful, but when you take a chance on yourself mm-hmm. and take action, you never know what would happen. You would have never thought you'd be able to stay right. someplace yep, free of charge. Mm-hmm. You know, nice neighborhood. We ain't, mm-hmm. you know, and I showed you pictures so you could yes, see you, you ain't in some little hoodie environment, made it comfortable for you. I'm just saying these are the kind of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. When you know you're on the right path, things like that start to open up. Even though you didn't get all the interviews that you wanted out here, mm-hmm. you still came out here you made things happen so i'm just so proud of you yes ma'am thank you like i want to add on to that as well it's like sometimes we get caught up in you know man i want to go to these different places but i don't have the resources and we get caught up in how it's supposed to happen like how are we going to do it and you just have to just be willing to take that chance absolutely and as you go you figure things out and like had i not even reached out to you this may not even been possible so i just had to take a chance and you know and i was like i said we're very thankful that you were here to you know welcome us and embrace us and and let us stay at your I home. I think always say, how can I make this happen? So many times we think, I don't know how. Instead, change the verb. It's like, how can I make this happen? It just kind of creates it more of a possibility mm-hmm. versus like, you don't always have to figure it out. That's where the universe steps in. You didn't know that the same person who was going to interview happened to have an Airbnb, happened to have availability when you wanted to come, right. and left that open for you. Absolutely. And yeah. It's been a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing. And I said, it's so important. Write down your goals you guys and have are a visit. So cute. Yes, I love ma'am. You guys. Yes, ma'am. So we really want to thank you. Um, we I said we had to do this for you because like you really didn't have to do this at all for us. You know, let us stay at your home like the way it's you did. It's a love fest. Yes, ma'am. So we really <laughs> want to thank you. We appreciate. Let's go you. have a drink. I got a bar in the back. Yes, ma'am. Sounds <laughs> good. So, Miss Judy, we want to thank you again. Before we get out of here, can you tell everyone how to find you online? And- yes, mannequinmadness.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest under Mannequin Madness. Absolutely. So, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Crossline Podcast 2021 Self Investment Tour. So, until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Crossline Podcast. Thank you for listening. You guys totally blew me away. <laughs>